Welcome to the FA Cup Final Preview on the podcast. I'm joined by Chelsea fan Andy Long and Arsenal fan Naylor C. Have a listen. Enjoy. I'm extremely happy and excited and proud um, to come back home. It's absolutely an honour for, for me to be given the opportunity to come back. And um, I don't know, I can't wait to start. This is the one club I've played for 13 years, a club that I don't probably have to sit here all afternoon and tell you how much I feel about it. So the possibility, the opportunity to manage, having played here, having felt the club, uh, to manage this place uh, was huge. On this episode of the podcast, we will be previewing the FA Cup final between Chelsea and Arsenal. Massive game for both clubs. I'm joined by Neil, representing Arsenal. Neil, how's your day going so far? My day has gone pretty well. Arsenal won 3-2 and in the process relegated Troy Deeney, who mugged us off a couple of years ago. So revenge is a dish best served cold, so screw him. <laughs> I mean, you don't hold a grudge or anything, Neil. Um <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. We're talking the FA Cup. Give me your favourite Arsenal FA Cup moment. I would have to say, well, I know it's Chelsea, but the 2002 FA Cup final, because that was the first FA Cup final that I was at. So, yeah, it was an unbelievable experience. Uh, 1-2-0, Potter scored that screamer. Freddie Lundberg scored a wonder goal as well. Um, Arsenal had a brilliant team that season. We won the double. Uh, So... Yeah, I would say that that's my favourite experience of the FA Cup. It was just brilliant. It was at, it was at the Millennium Stadium in Cardiff, but it was one of them. I know it's a cliche with a cup final, but it actually was a roasting hot day and everything went well for Arsenal, so I was more than happy. <laughs> uh, representing Chelsea today, we have Andy Long making his debut on the podcast. Andy, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on. How's your day going so far? Happy with Chelsea's win? At Wolves, delighted I watched it. I was flicking through some of the matches, so um, for us to get into the top four, especially with losing Hazard and you know the way we were sitting, the squad at the start of the season, I was thinking, I don't know how the season's going to go, but um, Lampard's done a great job, so I'm, I've, I've had a great day. And FA Cup final coming up. What's your favourite Chelsea FA Cup? Maybe FA Cup moment, but FA Cup final moment, if anything specifically sticks out to you. Well, I, I would say it's, it's been difficult for me because I was thinking about this one and Drogba would have to be mentioned. You know, his goals against Man United in extra time, the win it for us, his free kick against Portsmouth, 
remember that one and he won it for us as well that goal but the one that sticks out for me was when I was a kid the, the Di Matteo goal against Middlesbrough after about a minute I think that was in about 97 so I must have been about 9 or 10 and I remember watching it and just thinking this is amazing because it made me fall those types of moments as a kid made me really fall in love with Chelsea definitely the Di Matteo one it was, it was a cracker goal as well so I, was, I would say that one yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to, sp- to pick a specific Chelsea FA Cup final moment and not mention Drogba <laughs> in, in, exactly. in, in some aspect. I mean, the big man loved the big games. In the FA Cup in the last couple of years, Neil, I'll start with you. It's sort of, there's it's been a bit more of a disregard for it. What does it mean for you and for Arsenal? It's more so for you as the fan that goes to the finals. What does the FA Cup mean to you to be there at the final and to experience it, and to see your club lift the trophy? It's the best day out of the calendar year by a company mile. I don't think people can underestimate how good it actually is. Like it, Before the matches even play, there's always such a build-up, you know, walking up Wembley Way, and you can see Wembley, you know, straight ahead and stuff. I don't think people can actually underestimate how good that actually is, the feeling of it. It's, the place is buzzing, both sets of fans... I it honestly baffles me how any football supporter or any football club in general can try to disregard the FA Cup. It is totally mental to get on like that. I it, it, I just I, I don't grasp it at all. Why would you not want to win the cup? It's madness. It's the oldest cup competition in the world. It's the most famous cup competition in the world. So anyone that says to you, oh, we don't care about winning the FA Cup, well, they're off their flipping marbles. <laughs> I mean, you haven't held back there about your opinion on the FA Cup. Andy, over to you. Would you share same sentiments or do you, would you view the Cup a bit differently, more so maybe as a bonus at the end of a season or do you, would you prioritise a Cup or what's your feelings on just the FA Cup in general? No, I, I, I agree with Neil. I think that it's really important that the FA Cup isn't put to the side and even to a certain extent the League Cup. You know, A lot of people wouldn't maybe agree with me there but I think it's really important to have those types of Cups as well. I can understand with the League Cup, for example, teams maybe putting out a, set, a second string in the early rounds. But for me, the FA Cup needs to be um, considered as a, a, an important trophy. Um, for me, as a fan, especially, I've been very lucky in my lifetime with the FA Cup, with being a Chelsea fan, the success we've had on it. Um, but even in general, I just love everything about the FA Cup. Um, for you know, throughout the years, all the finals, all the, the run-up to it, what Neil's talking about, him going to Wembley, all type of stuff. It's an amazing day out. Um, and it's one of the one of the competitions that's pure. Do you know what I mean? It's one of those ones that's still got that. It's not all about money and stuff like that. So it's all about tradition and stuff. So for me, it's really really important that it isn't put to the back burner. And it's not just obviously the Premier League's important, but it's not just all about the Champions League and stuff like that. It's important that there is that uh, FA Cup um, and something to, to to win. Yeah, and specifically when we talk this year's FA Cup final, two clubs and two fan bases of both clubs that have a history with the FA Cup, specifically maybe more so recently. But Chelsea have had a lot of recent success in the FA Cup. Arsenal have won it the most times. There's a definite love for the Cup from both sets of supporters, for both clubs. I want to talk specifically about the managers of both clubs, but before we get there, I just want to touch on the route to the final for both clubs, and we'll spend a little bit of time maybe in the semi-finals. But in the third round, Neil, you started off 1-0 win, uh, at home to Leeds it looked maybe on paper when the draw was done this should be a pretty comfortable result for Arsenal it turned out it wasn't Leeds played exceptionally well in the first half 
on the other side of London, Chelsea were beating Nottingham Forest reasonably comfortably 2-0. Any fears going into any of those matches, Neil? First for you, Arsenal leads. If any giant killing going on there, no? Um, well, you can never underestimate Leeds, especially Leeds this season under Bielsa. I mean, obviously they've, they've won the championship there, but even at that stage, you know, they were doing pretty well. And, you know, Leeds are one of them teams that in the FA Cup and if they're playing, like, you know, a big team in the Premiership, they're going to try their utmost um, to prove a point because Leeds and their fans in particular would have always saw themselves as a Premier League club, even when they were down in the Championship. And I think most people would agree with that. Like, but So they were going to take any opportunity going to try and prove a point and to be fair to them. Leeds were the better team that night. Arsenal were not at the races at all. And we got out of jail that night. Reese Nelson scored. And we rode our luck. But then, you know, I know it's an old cliche, but the whole objective in the cup is just to get through to the next round. And that's exactly what Arsenal have done, albeit they were a bit lucky. Would agree with your assessment on that. Andy, on the other side for you, Chelsea at home to Nottingham Forest, 2 0, third round. Any worries going into that? Any fears, or do you think we're pretty comfortable? No, well, on, uh, obviously, third round, you're expecting to go through from a team from the Championship. I think I watched that game that, that day or that night, we were very comfortable with lots of the ball. I sat back, played a, we give them a lot of respect. We we, we played a strong side, not a, not a strongest side, but we. We did have a good team out, and he gave the likes of Hudson Odoi a chance, and he scored that night. And we won, it was a really comfortable night. And we, they, I think, they only had a couple of shots, and and we had most of the ball, so it was it was a comfortable enough win for us. And um, but you have to be you have to be careful if you go into those types of games, especially with a couple of players just changed in and out. You can uh, it can be you know a banana skin for you. So I was happy with the performance, and it got us it got us up and running. Yeah, I mean both clubs that you both faced their leads returning to the Premier League. Huge club, huge fan base, massive, massive addition to the Premier League. Nottingham Forest, the grandeur, the history with the club, especially in English football. It's never really to be underestimated too much, but the expectation for both clubs was to get through to the next round. They did that. Both clubs won 2-1 in the fourth round. Arsenal away to Bournemouth, 2-1. Chelsea, 2-1 win away at Hull. The fifth round is what I want to sort of stop on a little bit here. 2-0 win for you, Neil, away at Portsmouth. Comfortable enough in the end, but always going away to those tight grinds for me is always an interesting interesting game. Any thoughts on the Portsmouth game? Yeah, again, um, as you say, tight ground, evening kickoff. You know, um, it's a potential banana skin. And again, you know, they went down there. They got the job done. They kept a clean sheet. Uh, Socrates scored and Katia scored again um, he's popped up with a couple of important goals in the cup run and you know again like I said the objective is just to get through to the next round and that's exactly what they've done and uh, a clean sheet's always a bonus on top of that yeah and then over on your side Andy Chelsea 2-0 win at home to Liverpool Klopp was very vocal before this game that he was going to play his kids and he didn't care about it maybe a not maybe, definitely disrespectful to the cup competition, in my opinion, anyway. I thought this was imperative that Chelsea went out and beat Liverpool here, the champions-elect, specifically after what Klopp had said and what he was talking about. This 2-0 win, I thought, was very, very important for Chelsea. Any thoughts on the Chelsea-Liverpool game? Yeah, I agree with you there. I thought it was slightly disrespectful. Um, he did have 
you know, maybe five or six players who wouldn't usually start. I remember that, but he didn't really, it seemed like he didn't care. And there was that real, what we talked about at the start of the, the podcast about the FA Cup and tradition and making sure it doesn't go to the back burner. And that's maybe what Klopp did. At the end of the day, they won the league, so you can't really say anything about that. But for me as a Chelsea fan, I really wanted to win. And, and it was, they actually had, they had, they were probably slightly better team that night, I think, but um, I think they had more the ball and stuff. And um, it was it was a tight game, even though we had a pretty strong team out. It was a tight game, so I was really really happy with with the win. Um, and as I say, it was it was good. I suppose it was good for the FA Cup in, in general that uh, that we went through that night because obviously that what we talked about, Klopp didn't really particularly seem like he didn't really care too much. Yeah, hundred percent. And the quarterfinals. Um, both clubs seem to get a potential banana skin away from home. Neil, you first, Sheffield United away. A game which, ironically, it seems it's a recurrent theme with Arsenal both here in the quarterfinal and the semi-final. It seemed to be Arsenal were almost the underdog going in to both these matches. I know the media seemed to think away at Sheffield United, potential for Arsenal to slip up. It was almost an expectation. You went there and you won 2-1. All that matters in cup competitions, it's not so much about the performance, it's about getting through to the next round. But that I thought that was a very big result for Arsenal, in terms of the mentality, in terms for Arteta. The football started back after the COVID break and things like that. So I thought that was a very, very big game for Arsenal. Have you any thoughts on uh, Arsenal-Sheffield United? Yeah, I do have thoughts on Arsenal-Sheffield United, but can I just go back to the previous point you're making about Chelsea-Liverpool? And I know that I'm here, obviously, to represent the red side of London. That whole thing about disrespecting the cop, or sorry, the cop, the cop, the cop, that infuriated me. Jurgen Klopp infuriated me um, going into that game against Chelsea, and even the game didn't they play Shrewsbury before that? Yeah, they as did. Well. They, they drew the first and game and won the replay. Very disrespectful, um, and again when they beat Everton as well. Why would you even come out and make those comments? Like, why would you do that if you don't want to come out and play? your full team, because it is a squad game, just say nothing and pick the team that you think is best suited for that night or that fixture. You don't have to come out and say, oh, this is a joke, blah, blah, blah. It might be a joke to you, Jürgen, but it's not a joke to everybody else. So if that's your prerogative to disrespect the cup, you go ahead and do that, but you don't have to rub it in the face of everybody else because I'm sure Liverpool fans would want to win the FA Cup. Why would they not want to win the FA Cup? They are a brilliant side. Why would you not want to win more trophies? It's an absolute nonsense. And it affects everyone. Like, you know, I know Liverpool have had to play a few more games. Look at Wolves, for example. They've had to play like 500 games this season because it started way back last, was it last late June? Last yeah. year for the, that was against Crusaders. Yeah. And they're very, still, they're, they're still playing. It's very impressive. I thought now. Wolves done the double over Crusaders. I thought it was very, very impressive. They managed to get the result there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know what I mean. Like it, it was, it just makes a mockery of it, and it's like, okay, you do want to play your full team, then that's up to you. But you don't have to like mug everyone else off about it and kick off such a storm, which was totally unnecessary. But anyway, going back to the Sheffield United Arsenal match, <laughs> it honestly that this the whole disrespect and cup competitions infuriates me, even with the League Cup as well. But that's a different story. Yeah, going back to the Arsenal match, uh, nobody gave us a hope in hell of going up there and getting a result. Now, obviously Arsenal fans had been quietly confident on their Arteta we could get the job done. Now, I was at the game at Bramall Lane uh, last October when they beat us 1-0 and 
they're a good side at home. So as I said, no one give us a hope in hell up there. And when they equalised, McGoldrick scored right near the end. You know, you're sitting there thinking, flip me, like come on. You know, and I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people would have went, oh, that's it, that's the nail in the coffin. Arsenal will, will balls this up now. And then the fact that they came back and scored straight away, you know, that's a great result. And nobody can take that away from you because a lot of teams have struggled there this season up at Bramall Lane, yeah. including us. And it's to go up there and beat them in their own backyard, you know, and the way Sheffield United play up there, like they're very in your face. Um, that was a really, really good result. And I don't think that can be underestimated at all. Yeah. And at the same time, Andy, quarterfinal, you're away at Leicester winning 1-0. What were your thoughts on the Leicester game? They were going well at the time. I think that it was two strong teams were put out, you know, obviously taking the competition seriously as it should be done. And um, it was a very, very tight game. But for us to get the win, I was I was delighted with that. You know, it's that's, it's similar to what Nate's talking about with Sheffield United. They're, you know, they're a good side, especially they've done very, very well. They tanked us there a couple of weeks ago in the league, um, 3-0. So, you know, that, that was a good result for us. And it was two strong teams, and it was a it was a good FA Cup match, and I was delighted. Yeah, and then we get to the semi-finals. Quite possibly, I know Liverpool were out at this stage, but probably the four teams that you wanted in the semi-final, from a neutral perspective anyway, four teams that wanted to win the Cup, four teams that were taking it seriously. And my opinion, Aubameyang scored one of the goals of the season against Man City. Uh, Neil, again, Arsenal were written off. Chelsea were written off a bit too. It seemed to be the media really fancied the Manchester derby as a final. For yeah. for for some reason, you know, it really was the whole oh, United City in the final and it's going to be brilliant and all this sort of thing. And it's almost I felt it was almost a little bit disrespectful to both clubs going into this one. Um, Arsenal were really because maybe the three 0 win a couple of weeks prior in the league, Neil, you were really sort of put down here as very much the underdog. That was very probably very satisfying for you, not only to beat Man City, but to do it in the manner that you did, where you were extremely comfortable, in my opinion, and you were worthy of your spot in the final. And this was actually probably the the only game, maybe in your whole FA Cup run, where you looked at it and thought Arsenal are very comfortable here. Uh, well, I didn't feel comfortable when I was sitting watching it. Like I mean, when you're playing Man City, I don't think you can ever rest on your laurels. To be fair, because they are a very good side. Uh, yeah, Arsenal were excellent that night. Up until now, you know, I would say it's definitely been the best performance of the season by a mile. They were excellent. They were so disciplined. They were clinical. They were organised. Just everything went for us. And again, if you're in a dressing room, if you're in a football team and you're in the dressing room and everyone's completely writing you off, why would that not be an incentive? And then, you know, at the end of the day, seeing a cup match, league form goes out the window. I don't care what anyone says. You could win 10 games in the bounce in the league. But you might be playing somebody who's nowhere near as good as you, but it's a one-off game and they've nothing to lose. So why would they not go for it? And nobody gave Arsenal a hope in hell in that game. And, you know, they pulled off their best performance of the season. Um, hopefully there'll be a better performance next week. But, <laughs> you know, up until last week, you know, it, they were they were sensational. I, again, the same with, with Chelsea. Like, I think I said to you beforehand, everyone's predicting a Man United-Man City final here. And nobody is giving Arsenal or Chelsea a hope in hell. And it's like Arsenal always left it in the FA Cup and Chelsea are the same. Chelsea have won it yep. like numerous times in recent years. And they got the pair of them. Like I mean, I know it's not not uh, promoting failure and they got like but 
even the pair of them, Arsenal and Chelsea, have been regularly getting the cup finals for years here. Like, so how can you ever write either of them off in a cup? It's it's ridiculous. So it was no surprise to me at all, to be honest, that Chelsea beat Man United as well. I predicted that. Like, so if you were, no matter what team, would you want an Arsenal or a Chelsea in a cup semi-final or final? I would say most managers would say no. I would agree with your points there on this on the Chelsea side, Andy. Chelsea played Man United opening day of the season. And the result wasn't really reflective of the game. No, definitely not. And here we have Chelsea 3-1 winners on this. And it was a bit, a lot more, it, it was almost similarly to the opening game of the season. But this time Chelsea were taking the chances to an extent. This was, yep. a, this was a very fun, I I, really, I, just, I enjoyed sitting watching this semi-final. I'm sure you did too as, the, as a Chelsea fan, obviously going to a cup final. Talk to me about this Chelsea-Man United game, 3-1. It was actually one of my favourite games this season because I was with my friend Watson, who's a Man United fan, um, and he was going mental. But it was so we were we were so good. Now I know obviously De, De Gea had a nightmare, but we were very very good. We were, in every department we were better than Man United that day, um, and it was really satisfying because everything came to, together. And as as Neil was saying, everyone was looking for the Man Man City. Man United final and I was confident going into the match you know I, I genuinely was we're a good cup team but we're a very good side and I definitely think obviously Man United were flying then you know with the form they're going in the league and they had a good balance around the side but even though the game made those mistakes we would have won anyway we were very very good um, the Giroud goal the one at the front post is just epitome of what he's all about strength and movement and quality um, and then the Mason Mink goal got us going you know the the one from outside the box, yeah. bad mistake, but yeah, but we were very good. All the pitch, our energy, and everything about it was a brilliant, was perfect performance from us. Yeah, a really, really huge game, and it sets up, in my opinion, a very good final. Now, with, with this final, it's Lampard versus Arteta. Both have won this trophy as a player for both Lampard with Chelsea, Arteta with Arsenal, and now they're managing those clubs. One of these two are going to get their first piece of silverware as a manager, which I think is a very cool storyline, a very nice storyline going into this. It is. And a, a Frank Lampard moment. It can be in the FA Cup if you want, or it can just be in general. A Frank Lampard moment as a player that sticks out to you. Oh, you're putting me on the spot oh, here. Oh, there's so many. <laughs> I can't even think. Um, I suppose the Barcelona, is this in, in any, any, any competition? competition? Yeah, just something sticks out to you with Lampard something, with Chelsea. This is the first thing that came to my mind. Um, it was the chip against Barca. Yeah. You remember that? It's just, it's just the quality of that goal. Um, I, I would have to think back because there is so many. You've put me on the spot there. But that was the first thing that came to my mind for some reason. Um, just the quality of that goal from that angle and the importance of the goal. was It was unbelievable. Yeah, that was, um, in, that was in the new camp. Yes, yeah. it, was, it was unbelievable. Um Obviously, a different. Not even about like what he in terms of goals, but the, the moment where we won the Champions League, where he turned around and run to the fans. Yeah. Do you remember that? That was. I know this is not. It's not really anything to do with particularly like the amount of goals he scored or anything like that. But just that, I, that shows you how much he cares. He, we just won the Champions League and he runs straight to the fans. It was amazing. Um, but as you say, like, there's so many. I probably probably someone's going like, how can you not remember this or not remember this? But. You know, there's there's so many with Frank Lampard, he's, he's a legend. It's true. The first couple that always come to my head is actually the chip in Barcelona. It's always up there. The two goals against Bolton in Mourinho's first season is always yes. one that sticks yeah. out with Lampard. The goal was at a Villa away to become the top goal scorer. They're the moments that really come to my head quite quickly. But 
I love that one of Barcelona purely because there was the whole talk at the time, did he mean it? Did he mean it? And then Why when not? you see Lampard's career as a whole, you're going, of course he meant it. What well, a pl- what a player. He done a lovely chip against Hull. Do you yeah. remember that one? Right in the, like he meant that. You know the the one against Hull where he just dinked it over the keeper. It was so nonchalant. It was unbelievable. And the one against the one against Barcelona, he meant that. It's unbelievable. Um, and I actually have mentioned that. I can remember it now. The, the Bolton goals where he took it around the keeper. Like that was they're iconic goals for us as a Chelsea fan. Mourinho, all that. That was unbelievable. It's great. Um, he's he's class act. Yeah, and certainly someone who united the fans with the club after maybe a couple of. I mean, I always thought Conte, the fans loved Conte, but there was definitely a, a disconnect there between the board and Conte and then Sarri and the fans. So it seemed to really pull all the pieces together with Lampard coming in. And Neil Arteta's moved in the same sort of mould, I guess, with it's united the fans, it's united the board, it's brought people back. He was a captain at the club, he was well respected at the club. Is there a particular Arteta moment that sticks out to you as an Arsenal fan? Can I pick more than one? You can, <laughs> go for it. In the first season... Uh, when he was at us. Now, I know on the grand scale of things, with regards to Man City, they still won the league that season, but uh, do you remember uh, it was near the end of the season and we beat them 1-0 at the Emirates and Mikel Arteta scored a screamer quite late on? That one always stuck on my head. And then whenever we played Wigan in the FA Cup semi-final at Wembley in 2014, that was really nervy because obviously... It had been nine years since we'd last uh, won a trophy. Um, you know, we were getting a lot of flack. And Arteta took the first penalty in the shootout for Arsenal. Like Gary Caldwell missed for them. And then Arteta took the first penalty for us. And he scored. He's a brilliant penalty taker. And that sort of helped calm the nerves a wee bit. Because, like, I'll be honest, I was there. And I think the boxers were brown at that stage. <laughs> because... Honestly, like it was, it was nerve wracking that match, and that helped settle the nerves. And then I was actually at his gate, his last game for Arsenal when he retired. He came on against Aston Villa in the end of the 2015-16 season. Yeah, he came on for a run out near the end. He'd been injured most of that season. It was technically went down as an own goal, but he he had a shot off the crossbar and hit off the goalkeeper and went in. But you could see at the end of the match that like, he was very emotional coming off because it was the end of his career. Like it, it just that just sticks in my head. You know, he got a good send off. You know, at the end of that game there, and yeah, it's just something I fondly remember him by. There's a there's certainly a couple of like I find them fun and interesting. Maybe underlying storylines get into this game and similarities to an extent between Lampard and Arteta, both obviously playing for their respective clubs, now managing them, as we've just mentioned. They both seem to enjoy bringing kids through and playing younger players in the team and trying to bed kids in. Chelsea, for example, Andy, with Tamore, Reese James, Mason Mount, Tammy Abraham, Billy Gilmore. What, what's your thoughts on Lampard and his sort of policy to be giving youth a chance at Chelsea this season? It's, it's, it's obviously good to see. I think as things progress, you know, he's, he's buying more players, you know, top class players. Um, it'll be interesting to see how much he, he keeps that on. I, I know I know he, he really likes Mount, and I think Rhys James will be the successor to Azbilicueta. Is Abraham going to get the game time now with Werner? You know, the same as Hudson-Odoi, but it is good to see that he is prepared to do that. And As a Chelsea fan, we haven't really seen that too much because with Mourinho and Conte, they're very much get the, the players in that are ready now. Yeah. Um, which, to be honest with you, I don't mind. As a fan, I, I want to win. So I know we've been we've been lucky. Um, it's, it is nice to see young players come through, 
but it's ultimately about winning. So um, I've been used to that sort of mould of manager, where it's the player, the the, the ready-made player. But Lampard's had an opportunity with this transfer ban to, to be able to see if these players were good enough, and and they've all stepped up, um, and they're all they're all going to be either good squad players for Chelsea, or if they continue to progress, they could be very very good player for, for Chelsea for, for years to come. So it was a really good opportunity for him, and I think it was actually if if he didn't have that transfer ban. It would have been interesting to see how, how much he would have actually played them. Yeah. Um, but it's good to see that it is in his mind. Yeah, 100%. And then Arsenal on the same side, they have a lot of good young players coming through. Now, some of these young players were really given their opportunity by Emery Neil, but they've certainly flourished under Arteta, specifically Saka. Also, Reese Nelson with the goal against Liverpool. I'm a huge fan of Reese Nelson. Eddie Nketia, Joe Willock, Martinelli. What's your thoughts on some of the Arsenal youth players that are coming through? I'm very positive about that. We already can see the impact that Saka's been making. He's been superb and he's been rewarded for that with a new contract and he's been given the number seven shirt for next season. In Arsenal folklore, you know, that's that's a big deal because some of the greats have wore number seven, Liam Brady, David Rocastle, Robert Perez, Thomas Rosicki to name a few. So I'm, I'm sure Saka's buzzing about that there. Um, and Keddie has made a big impact. It's strange because he he was only get, like really being used as a sub for Leeds and Bielsa didn't really seem to like rate him, you know, from the start. He would bring him on here and there. And Arteta's brought him back in and he scored a fair few goals for us. So, you know, the future's bright for him as well. Reese Nelson's another one who Arteta really seems to rate. Um, he had a bit of a knock there recently, but... Obviously, came back, scored against Liverpool. He came on there uh, today against Watford and done well. What they're kind of thinking, maybe, with the whole Reese Nelson thing is um, Raheem Sterling, when he was at Man City, credits Miguel Arteta a lot for helping him, you know, working on his movement and his finishing and his, like, final ball and stuff. And what they're saying is they're kind of hoping that that will be maybe the same impact that he'll have with Reese Nelson. I'm not saying Reese Nelson is on the same level as Raheem Sterling. Just clarifying that before I <laughs> I, uh, I get hammered about that. But they're hoping that, you know, maybe that sort of tuition, like one-to-one tuition or title given will help him. And you can sort of see already that it's it's making a difference. Martinelli, he's another one. You only have to look at his goal against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge earlier in the season just to see how good a player he is like. Yeah, like the future's bright for Arsenal and they've got some really good players coming through and Arteta's not afraid to throw them into the deep end and, you know, in this day and age, same with Chelsea, it's sink or swim and a lot of them are swimming and swimming quite well. Yeah, and specifically, we've we've talked about a couple of these younger players that both clubs are starting to bring through, but I want to talk about two veterans and and the U first and they mentioned it a bit with them and Kerry, I was mostly used as sub at Leeds, and then he came on and started to play a few and score a few. Now, Giroud wasn't out alone anywhere, but he was mostly a sub, and then he's came on, scored a few, and he's really, in my opinion, he's really taken that t- starting position away from Tammy Abraham. Now, what's your thoughts on, on Giroud as a whole? We'll, we'll talk Giroud at Chelsea, and then they'll throw it over to you for some Giroud thoughts from Arsenal and your opinion on coming up against them here in another final, given what happened last year in Baku. And the you first drew this season? I, I think he, he's outstanding at what he does. I think he's probably in that bracket just before world class. But what he's good at in terms of holding up, you know, movement, he is world class at. It's probably just because he doesn't have that yard. 
you know, of pace or anything like that, which doesn't put him in that top bracket. But I think he's an unbelievable striker. And for me, I can't believe it's one of the, the one, one of the things that with Lampard, I was like, why is he doing that? It was he, he sort of alienated him a wee bit, and it was had Bashwai as the second choice. And in my yeah. opinion, Bashwai was never good enough, even as a second a second choice. Um, and I think Tommy Abraham, as much as I, I think he's done very well in the big moments, in the big games, um, Giroud's much better. And I think that he links it much better. He's more of a presence. Um, I think Tommy's still learning. He scored seven goals or something in the, in, uh, in three games quite early on in the season. Yeah. Um, don't, don't get me wrong, he's done very, very well. But can I see him being Chelsea's spear, spearhead in Chelsea to a title in the future? Probably not. He's not like a cost or a drug, but and I don't think he'll ever really get there. But he might, you know what I mean? He might, but yeah. I can't see it. But for me, Giroud probably should have been starting all the time. And I think we would have been in top four quicker than what we are and what we got now. Um, but I understand why Frank Lampard went with Abraham just because he is young and I give him an opportunity. Is he good enough? And he's shown he certainly can play. And he, yeah. he can definitely be a squad player for us next year, 100%. But Drew, yeah. unbelievable player. It's vastly underrated. Drew, he's one of those players that no one really talks about, but he is he's so much quality about him. Neil, Drew to Arsenal and then the move to Chelsea. Obviously, what happened to Baku... Giroud was very, very good, and coming up against them here again. What's your thoughts? You mentioned the B word there. I blotted it out of my mind. Didn't happen. <laughs> Didn't happen. <laughs> Giroud doesn't get the credit he deserves. Always said that when he was at Arsenal. You don't win a variety of different trophies, including World Cups. You know, if you're hopeless, I mean, I'm sorry. The man doesn't get the credit he deserves. That's within the Arsenal fan base. That's within the Chelsea fan base. He's a winner, and he's proven that. I mean, he won three FA Cups at Arsenal. He's won the World Cup with France. He's been to Chelsea his first season. He played a pivotal role in that cup final for Chelsea against United with a 1-1-0. He won the Europa League last season, and then they're in another final now, and where hopefully he does not do the biz against us again. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, vastly overrated. Or, sorry, underrated. Apologies. Not vastly overrated. <laughs> Uh, vastly underrated and uh, never got the credit he deserved I know that this is a, a, a side story about Giroud but it, it was always something that, uh, like a not a not necessarily a fond memory but a funny memory about Giroud do you remember when Liverpool hammered Arsenal 5 in 2014 at Anfield Brendan Rodgers was that yeah yeah but the night beforehand allegedly Giroud was caught <laughs> breaking a curfew sneaking a Miss UK or a Miss World or something like that out of his bedroom at the hotel. <laughs> I, I always remember that story. I thought it was quite amusing. Uh, but some Arsenal fans would actually refer to him as the HFB, a handsome French book, because he is a, an ex- and a very good-looking guy. Like, yeah, he, uh, he is. He is. Uh, he, but he doesn't get the credit he deserves. It's interesting, you know, like you say, that Lampard earlier in the season didn't seem to rate him, didn't seem to fancy him. And at the minute, he's probably... You could probably argue he's probably Chelsea's key player going into this final. He's been outstanding recently, so um, I'm I'm hoping that that form goes out the window. But next week, (laughs) (laughs) and for me, go ahead, Andy. For me, like see next year when Werner comes. I know Werner can play off the right and off the left, but he probably will play up front. For me, I would have Giroud as our second choice striker, and and I know that might not be so good for Tommy Abraham's development. 
but at the end of the day, it's about winning. I know some people might not like that. They might say, you know what, Tommy should be our second choice striker, but Drew's so good. He's, he's so good at what he does. Um, so it's an interesting debate to be had. Like, But personally, I would have Drew as our second choice if Werner hits the ground running. Yeah, um, I would agree with you on that. I think he's just so vastly underrated. I think he always has been since he's arrived in, in England, to be honest. I think because, as you mentioned earlier, that little yard of pace that he doesn't have, I think people just die. He's just a big, slow guy type thing. But he's vastly, vastly underrated. And as Neil mentioned, he's a winner. And speaking yes, of someone yeah. else, another polarising figure, but a man with a lot of wins on a CV, with plenty of experience at Chelsea, now in Arsenal's back line. And the you first, the return of David Luiz to the FA Cup final, but this time for Arsenal against Chelsea. What's your thoughts on David Luiz's time at Chelsea and any thoughts about <laughs> Luiz going into this this cup final? Okay, right. So David Luiz is one of the craziest players that I've ever seen at the top level. <laughs> he genuinely is. Um, so I'll give you the good points. For that one season when he played in a back three, under Conte um, when he changed at the back three David Luiz was unbelievable he was world class in that position he had Gary Cahill and he had Asbel Quadra playing with, with him who meant that there was less responsibility for him in a back four he's, he's mental he does mental things some weeks he'll be world class because he's got um, world class attributes you know and that's probably why he's played you know, at the top level for so long. So he's he's really aggressive. He's good in the air. He's a great pass for the ball. He's he's got a he's dirty in the tackle. He's a, he seems to be a leader off the pitch. You know, so he's got all these attributes that you would go. He's everything you want. But what he's bad at is his concentration levels, his positional play, his decision making. <laughs> you know, and he, when he's bad, he is awful. You know, people will always say, well, why is he played at the top level? It's because of how good he is at the other things. Because he, I've seen him play, and I'm like, wow, he is unbelievable. And then the next week, literally the next week, he's playing like Tedis Bramble. And you're like, what's what's going on here? And I think that Neil, you've probably seen what he's like. At the end of the day, he's won everything. you know. So he's a good player. But for Chelsea, he's not my type of defender. I'd rather have someone a wee bit more consistent and a wee bit less mental. But I have to say, he's, he was a good servant for us. But overall, I think that... He was, he was just a wee bit too too mad for us. I think that I, I was actually happy to see him leave. I know we struggled. And maybe if he was playing for us, we might have done slightly better. I don't know. You don't really know what David Luiz, but he's winning the Arsenal and he's made so many mistakes. Now, he had an absolute stormer against City. But, you know, before that, he was he's made five, six really bad bloopers. And um, he's, just a, he's just a strange player. He's crazy. And I'm sure, I don't, I don't know what Neil thinks, but... Yeah, I laughed there, Oh, sorry, I laughed around to you, Andy, when you said in your analysis, he's too mad for us. I giggled at that. <laughs> <laughs> no, again, like like you say, you know, on his day, when he's good, he's superb. If he has a bad day, everything seems to go wrong for him. There's been moments for Arsenal where he's done a couple of mad things. The game against Man City, uh, when the football came back there at the start of Project Restart, that's the one... That, that sticks in my head. Um, but on his day, this is the thing, right, with David Louise. On his day, he's brilliant. The media will go, oh, David Louise had a good game. As soon as David Louise makes a mistake, they are on his back and they will not get off his back. And the fella's hounded. Like he is. Uh, but sure, even the other week after the Man City semi final, 
he said in the interview when they said, oh, there's been a lot of criticism, you know, about Arsenal. And, and David Louise said, he goes, oh, you mean about me? And the fella interviewed him was sort of a bit taken aback. And he was like, no, you're you're, you're talking about me. And he gets, he gets tortured. Like, I mean, I understand, like, he doesn't do himself any favours at times because he, he will do something ridiculous. Like, sure, <laughs> we played Chartland in a pre-season, well, Sorry, not pre-season, a mid-season friendly before the football came back. And he's doing keepy-ups, you know, playing outside the box. And you're like, man, what are you doing? But, but you know, he has it within him where he'll, he'll have a brilliant game like Man City last week. He was absolutely, he was world-class. But he does get battered when things go wrong for him. But as, as Andy has already said, you, you cannot be a bad player if you've won all the things that he has won. The only thing is, and again, it's football in general these days, in my opinion, the art of defending is gone. Like the days of, you know, Tony Adams and John Terry and Nemanja Vidic and Rio Ferdinand and Martin Keown or whoever, they're gone. You're not going to get like a proper old school centre half now. The closest you get to that nowadays is Virgil van Dijk, who is obviously very good. But so that's why people like David Louise are always people will go, Oh, they're dreadful. But it's because they're being comparative compared to the likes of Tony Adams and Vidic and Ferdinand, John Terry, etc. Like, let's be honest, like I don't think anybody these days is 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 up to that level of centre back apart from maybe Van Dyke. Um, and because of that there, I think there's extra pressure on centre backs, but the game's changed. It's all about playing out from the back now, which David Louise is very good at. But yeah, if he worked at his concentration levels, you know, he'd be up there like as being one of the best. But obviously, but he just sometimes the lapses of concentration seem to happen, and when they do happen, it seems to be very costly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as Andy alluded to earlier, he doesn't seem to have bad games. He seems to have nightmares, or he's okay. You know, he's yeah. he's, he's never just like oh, he's you know, he's never a five out of ten. He's either a seven out of ten, or he's a one. Yeah, you know, it's, it's yeah, 100%. You know, he, he's just one of those players that I, I don't dislike him, you know, as in, I, seem, I have to say, Neil, to be fair, I get your point about the media. There's one thing about him, he always comes back, you know what I mean? He, he shows, he's got a bit of determination about him, he's got he, he's got self-belief, and he always comes back, and he always proves people wrong again, which is, it shows, you know, he is a leader, you know, he, he does show on the pitch at times, I know sometimes when he does mental things, his mind goes, and then he's not a leader on the pitch, but when he's playing well, you see him talking and and, and, and dragging people into position and stuff, he's good at that at times, and I've seen him play so well for Chelsea, like the Champions League final, no, he was very good for us, yeah. you know, he's won the Champions League, we also, he was brilliant, you know, he's, he's had so many games, but I've seen him probably play, have 10, 15 nightmares for us as well. So, um, no, but as I say, I agree with you, Neil. I think that the media gets straight on him. But I was, hap- I, was, I was happy to see him leave, even though he's been a reasonable service, servant for us. But he, he, he's, he's just one of those enigmas. He's a crazy player. He's, he's a hot man. <laughs> a couple of league games this year. Arsenal at home. Lost 2-1 to Chelsea. Tammy Abraham, an 87th minute winner. And then in the January fixture, the return fixture at Stamford Bridge, Chelsea were 2-0 up. Finished two each. Louise, ironically, as we're talking about him, gets sent off early on. And again, on the 87th minute, there was a there was a goal, but this time it was Arsenal equalising. So the the game's been pretty tight this year, which makes the final very, very interesting, in my opinion. Neil, you first. With this being a London derby, does this make the final bigger and more important? 
I suppose it would. I mean, this is the thing that sort of again goes under the radar. When you when you when you play for a London club, you're actually playing in far more derbies than what you are if you're playing for a team up north. Because, you know, you're you're talking like say from Arsenal's perspective, you're playing Chelsea, West Ham, Spurs, Crystal Palace. You know, there's loads of teams around London. It's the same for Chelsea, obviously. So yeah, like the whole Derby aspect of it in London, you know, it is prominent. And Arsenal and Chelsea are big rivals with each other, and, and like you know, always have been and stuff. Uh, you know, especially in in cup competitions over the years. Yeah, I think a cup final, it, it, if it, it is a derby, it it adds that wee bit of extra spice. If it is, you know, uh, um, against one of your big rivals, um, now obviously from geographically, you know, Spurs are. Or Arsenal's local rivals and stuff, but the Arsenal Chelsea rivalry, you know, is is a pretty big one as well. I know Chelsea have a you know like a bit of a rivalry with West Ham too and Spurs. Chelsea would be would be our number two enemy in London, I would say. <laughs> yeah, Andy, what about you? Does it make it this final bigger for you, being the fact that it's Arsenal and London derby? It, it does. I, I don't think it's as fierce as it used to be. You know, I think because of the game's a wee bit more commercialised now, you'll make it, you know, but because it is an FA Cup final, it is at Wembley, you know, you'll probably get more local fans going to it and it will definitely have, the bu- have a buzz. It always, it definitely will be. Um, and I'm looking forward to it. I think that uh, it should be a good final, it'll be an open final. So, as I say, but I, I do agree. I think that it does add more to it. It's your, it's your rivals at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Chelsea, let's even look at Chelsea's last four years. They've been successful with, they've won a Premier League and that same year they lost the FA Cup final to Arsenal. There's an FA Cup final win the following season. The year after that, last season, there was a League Cup final defeat and there's a Europa League final win and this year's an FA Cup final. Chelsea players should be used to these big games, these finals. How much does that experience help going into a Cup final, Andy? Uh, absolutely, and I have to say again, as a fan, even um, like you know, Arsenal, for example, are going through transition. You, you need, there's plenty of work to be done at Arsenal, but they're still they're, they were winning FA Cups, so they were still winning. And see the same with Chelsea. You know, there's been plenty of times like I've felt this this squad isn't great. You know, there's plenty of work to be done with this squad to challenge for a title, but we still win an FA Cup. We'll get a, a League Cup. We'll get a, a Europa League. So I think that winning mentality is really started from you know. Or like Mourinho days, even before that, we were we were winning constantly. We have been very very lucky as a fan, you know, even before Mourinho. But Mourinho has really brought that winning mentality into the club the whole way through. And pretty much every year, every couple of years, we win something, regardless how people would say it's a smaller cup like the League Cup or even the Europa, Europa League or whatever it may be. But that experience, as as and that winning mentality, has stayed at us. Even when we're going through spells where people go, that squad's not great. You know what I mean? So it's 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 stayed with us, and I'm it's, it's great that we're always as a fan. It's brilliant that we're in finals constantly. And as I say, you're right. It, it does it does really help with the winning mentality to have that that I mean the finals and experience and name cups. A hundred percent. I th- I think it's imperative. You know that clubs, especially clubs that want to win things, do have winners in the in the squad. At some point, a level of experience, a winner, someone who's been there and done it. And Chelsea have quite a few, and it's helped them a lot. Arsenal need three wins in the last six years in this competition. You're in the final again. Arsenal love this competition. You're 13 times winners. This time it's Chelsea in the final, which is similar to a couple of years ago. But because of last year's Europa League final, I know you want to forget about it, but is there a ghost of Baku 
to get rid of here for Arsenal? Potsy, I told you when I signed my contract to appear on this show that the T's and C's were that you would not mention Baku last year. It did not happen. I have erased it from the unofficial Neil history books. This did not happen. Listen, if Baku last year isn't an incentive for Arsenal to right that wrong, then you know you may as well give up because... Last year we did not show up in that final at all, and we got we got spanked. And you know the chance this year, you know maybe they exact a wee bit of revenge. I think Chelsea will be favourites going into this game. You know going especially by um, the league table, and Chelsea are on the back of a good win today against Wolves. But again, like I said, form goes out the window and stuff. You know when it comes to FA Cup matches, especially finals. So, but Arsenal they have such an opportunity here. You know as Andy's already said. We're in transition. But this is the thing that is thrown at Arsenal quite a lot. They're not challenging and this and that and blah, blah, blah. And then you have neighbours from across across down the road mouthing off about how they finished higher than us. But at the same time, in that time, Arsenal have still been getting the cup finals. And, well, they've won all their FA Cup finals they've been in, and I'm hoping that continues next week. You know, we've been regularly challenging for cups. And, you know, it, it's 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 easy to throw at Arsenal in particular. Oh, they don't do it in the league and this and that. But if we're if we're so bad, which apparently we are, how come we still win FA Cups and, you know, get to the odd final, other finals? Well, and again, like I said earlier, I'm not promoting feeder. We got the League Cup final in 2018. We got the League final last year. Do you know, if you were that bad, surely you wouldn't be challenging for these trophies. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, certainly two massive clubs, two expectant clubs and two expectant fan bases. Could I be as bold to ask for a score prediction? Or is that something, as a fan, you wouldn't like to do? Uh, I'll go, I, I'm happy enough. I'll go 2-1 uh, Chelsea. Okay. <laughs> Straight out of the blocks, 2-1 Chelsea, confident, yep. expectant. Neil, have, would you be as bold to predict a score here? I am going to go for Arsenal to win 2-1. 2-1. I think it'll be a really tight match next week. It, it might actually be a bit cagey, to be honest. I'll, I'll say Arsenal to win 2-1. Well, gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, I've had a lot of fun. It's been a laugh talking about Arsenal-Chelsea here next week. Uh, any special plans to go out and watch it, Andy? No, I, I'm one of those. I don't really like going out to the bars and stuff like that. I like to watch it in the house and I'm probably take it in there if it's going to be with a friend or something like that. But um, I'll just chill out in the house and watch it. I'm looking forward to it. Can't wait for it. Yeah. Neil, your thoughts? Where will you be watching the final? Um, I'll, I'll probably just watch it in the house, to be honest. I'll be, I'll, I would say I'll be in the house watching it. Yeah. Biting your nails and pulling your hair out and praying for a I victory, la- I'm sure. I, I think last week... Uh, I, I checked the steps after the semi-final and I must have done about 15,000 steps during the game prancing up and down in the hallway because I couldn't sit a piece so I would say it'll probably be the same next week as well <laughs> oh, brilliant well, gentlemen thank you so much for taking some time out of your Sunday evening to discuss this um, it's been an absolute pleasure and I'm sure I'll have you back on at some stage to talk about Chelsea and to talk about the football thanks for coming on no worries. Thanks very much for having me. I enjoyed it. It was a good laugh. Neil, as always, thanks for coming on. Fiend, an absolute pleasure as always. You're very welcome. Thank you for listening to the podcast with me, your host, 
Darren. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the podcast. Thanks for your time. Stay safe and tune in next time.